for a lot of people it was. It wasn't God. It was a world broken by sin. This week we were talking in a <clears throat> Bible study. And it was just me and Kenneth sitting there. And he asked me a question. And um, I had been thinking about doing this sermon, but whenever you do this kind of sermon, people think you're playing for emotion or you're trying to get people upset. And no, really not. <laughs> I did this because the last two weeks, and Kenneth brought this out, the last two weeks on the History Channel, it has been Armageddon week for two weeks running. In fact, it's still Armageddon week. Everyone's talking about the Mayan calendar. Everyone's talking about you know, typhoons and hurricanes and killer tidal waves and earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. And is 2012 the end of days? And they went down to the coast off of Chile and they found an island. And the island has a 150-foot Mayan obelisk on it that nobody ever knew existed. And it points to a place in the sky where there'll be two uh, astronomical events this year. And they said, you can only see those events from one place, that island. And I thought, why are we so consumed with the end of days? Why are we worried about these last days? But when Kenneth asked me, is it going to be the end of time? Is this going to be the end? And I said, let me, let me tell you something. It's not over till God says it's over. And I keep looking at all these doom and gloom people and they keep focusing on all of the natural catastrophes that could happen. Asteroids and tsunami waves and, you know, Yellowstone National Park blowing up. It almost blew up when my wife and I were living in Montana. And if it had blown up, we would actually have been dead before we actually heard the sound of it. We were only 90 miles away, so if, if Yellowstone blew, we'd be dead before we even woke up. And the whole thing is people panic every time scientists say something's going on. You know what? I want to look at this today. For the peace of mind that we have, Ken is right. Ken and I did not talk about this. He did the Revelation song. He read from Revelation without asking me, and it was perfect. This is God's timing. I did not know we were going to do this video today. That's why I wasn't ready for it. What are the signs of the end of times? I want to look at that because you know what? I don't want you to be scared this year. I don't want you to be scared for yourself or for your children. I don't want you to be terrified. The first thing on Good Morning America when I woke up this morning, well, it's 2012 and the world's going to come to an end. And I'm like, even Good Morning America is jumping on the doom and gloom. We just got past a lousy year for the economy, and people are looking for disaster. I like what one guy said. He said, there's a lot of reasons to pack up and run to an uncharted island. But 2012 is not one of them. There's no reason to pack up and run. What are the signs of the end of times? Let's take a look at it this morning. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14. See, here's the thing. This is going to be a huge topic of discussion this year. I don't want you to be unready. I don't want you to be caught off guard or unprepared. Things like Sendong, you can't prepare yourself emotionally for that. You can't see that and not be broken. You can't. It's not humanly possible to look at that and not be broken. But we have to keep it in perspective. Look at this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, those who have died, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. 
The end of time came for a lot of people when Typhoon Sendong hit them. And it wasn't God's judgment. It wasn't the rapture. It was a world broken by sin, destroyed by the flood. That's what cost them. But you know what? For them, there's no 2012. The end of days came to them. This sermon is not going to be like any doom and gloom you ever heard. I'm not going to take Bible verses and put it to natural disasters because that's nonsense. That's not where the church's heart should be. Take a look at this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep so that you will grieve like the rest who have no hope. This was written toward the end. Many believers who believed in Jesus when he was 30, 31, 32, they were coming to the end of their lives. They were dying. Many of you are nurses. You have seen people die. You've seen children die, babies die. You are not guaranteed one second of life longer than you have. Young man, you are not guaranteed to live to get out of this sermon. And it won't be your mama hitting you in the back of the head. Aneurysm, heart attack, stroke. Disease and death can take any of us at any time. But you know what happened? There were some people, like we have today, and they were running around going, oh no, Jesus already came back in the rapture, and, and, and they missed it. Jesus hadn't come back. He said when he comes back, everybody's going to know he came back. No secrets. People were despairing because they saw death, and they thought they were going to live forever. But here's the thing. Eternal life is eternal life. Everyone who was caught in that typhoon, everyone who died in those waves... If they were in Jesus Christ, if they were in Christ, they live this day in the presence of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's the thing. Everybody in this room, you're going to die. One day, if you live long enough, when I get to 119 and a half, may God take me after the best sermon of my life, I will walk the veil with Christ if he doesn't come back first. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay, because I've had an amazing life so far, and I know you have too. If you say, but my life's been boring, my life's been useless, I haven't done anything. Well, guess what? You're still alive. It's time for you to redeem the days that you have left. He says, don't grieve like those who have no hope. We are brokenhearted at what we see happening in the Philippines. I mean, it breaks my heart. I mean, I'm a pastor with a lot of years of experience. I have seen and been in terrible situations. This is maybe only the third time in my life I couldn't get up and preach. I had to wait a minute. I had to catch my breath. Maybe the third time in my life. I'm not a, I'm not a machine. That, that kills me when I see that. It should kill all of us. So what, what, what um, Pastor Rowe, that's good. <laughs> what Sister Rowe said is good. Really do pray about what you can do to help the people in the Philippines. But also this. Pray, is this the reason we need to go to the Philippines this year? Not just material things, but to bring the hope of those who have hope. There's people in the Philippines who don't know Jesus. They don't know there's life after death. They are grieving because they have no hope. And we can take that grief away and give them hope, even if it's 2012. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. We're not going to beat the dead to heaven. They're going to beat us. Amen? Go on to it. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. I want you to look at these words. 
Keep thinking, what are the signs of the times? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Can I get an amen from somebody? The dead in Christ will rise first. If that doesn't excite you, you ain't saved. I'm going to say that just flat out. If you are not excited about the fact that you are part of a history, his story. I've told you before, my favorite painting is called The Legacy. It is a pastor in a pulpit. And behind him, the images of those who went before him, of Elijah, of Elisha, of Isaiah, of Jeremiah, of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. And they are there behind him. Why? Because this message, this gospel, is unbroken from them to me, to you, and to whoever you pass it along to. It's not all about me. It's about being part of something huge, something gigantic. He will descend from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive will be caught up together. Somebody asked me, why do we talk about the rapture? This is why we talk about the rapture. It's not a Greek word. It's not a Hebrew word. The good doctor over here can tell you it's a Latin word. And the Latin word is rapture. And it means to be caught away. Elijah never saw death. He was caught away in the whirlwind. Amen. Enoch walked with God and then he was not. He was rapture. He was caught away. One day when Jesus comes back, may it be 2012, Sister Angie's going to be sitting at her desk waiting to go see a patient and she will be rapture, caught away. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, she will be gone and with the Lord in heaven. Can I get amen? You know why that's good? Because we're all going to be with her if we're in Christ. If we are born-again Christians, we are out of this place. The sign of the time is this. You won't see it coming. It says this, we are still alive when we caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What can you say to the people who suffered from that typhoon? What can you say that could possibly mean anything? I've stood by a thousand grave sites. Soldiers killed in war, people who died of old age. You know what I always say? This is our only hope today. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they were believers in Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer, you will see them again. This is not a permanent separation, it's temporary. Here's the scary side of 2012. If the Lord did come back this year, ask yourself this question. If the rapture happened two minutes from right now in this church, how many of you would be left? Don't say it can't happen because I know it can. Not everybody in church is saved. Not everybody who's a member of a church is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. If the rapture happened today, if Sendong happened to us today here in Raleigh, how many of us would be left here going, where's everybody at? Because the rapture will happen in the twinkling of an eye. In a second, we will be gone. But you know what? Sad to say, there's a lot of people that if the rapture happened at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, they would still get up, they would still get dressed, they would still go to church. And you know what? A lot of churches wouldn't be empty. Heck, some pulpits wouldn't be empty. That's 
the real question. Not is 2012 the end of the world, but if the end of the world came today, would you be ready to go with Jesus? And can you say yes, absolutely, with no doubt? If you can't say that, you need to keep listening. We're going to keep going. I love this. Encourage one another these words. The words is this. If something happens to me, you need to turn to my wife and tell her, you don't worry. You're going to see him again. Amen? Amen. Whoever you've lost, mother, father, sister, brother, spouse, or child, you will see that person again if both they and you are in Christ. That's our hope for 2012. That's why this stuff, I don't get all this fear. I don't get all this stuff. In fact, one guy I watched on the History Channel, he said, it's going to be great. He says, there's two ways the world's going to end. And I'm thinking, oh, this is good, Ken. He said, two ways. He said, you see, either the universe is going to keep expanding and we'll all die in ice, or suddenly the rubber band's going to catch hold and we're all going to shrink in and get mashed up and burn in fire. And he was smiling. And I'm thinking, he's smiling about the end of the world. But he was an atheist. For him, death is death. We're just organisms. We're just cosmic particles. We get all smushed up, and then we get blown back out again. Who knows? In the next life, your particles might be a woman or a horse. How very reincarnation of them, you know. So maybe the scientists are reincarnationists. I don't know. It makes sense to me. But that's just it. The Lord will descend. So what if he comes this year? Is that okay with you, church? Amen. Amen. What's been a lady at a Christian bookstore? I said, isn't it great? Looks like the Lord's coming back. You know what she told me? She said, do you think he could wait about six months? I went, why would you want the Lord to wait? Well, my granddaughter's going to be born in, in about six months. I want to see her first. I'm like, that's not good. Because you get to heaven, you're going to see him anyways, you know? So sometimes we don't think about what we say. Keep going. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 4. <coughs> Verse Thessalonians 5, 2 through 4. Keep thinking about the sign of the times. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord, pay attention to that, the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them like labor pains comes on a pregnant woman. Now, if you don't know about labor pains, ask Jill if she just had them. Okay, and, you, and they will not escape. But you, brother, are not in the dark for the day to overtake you like a thief. This is what he was saying to the Thessalonian people. You need to be aware of what's happening in the world. Yes, you're going to see a lot of stuff about 2012 this year. If you're watching the History Channel, Armageddon Week for the last two and a half weeks, everything is about doom, gloom, death, and destruction. Every program was about the end of the world. And this says, this says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. One guy was saying, well, if a comet's going to hit the earth, we've got at least a year to do something about it. That's great. We have a year to panic and, you know, go to pieces. And if, if the earthquake is going to blow up, we can live for at least three or four months afterwards, and then we'll all die of asphyxiation. I'm thinking, what? This says, when that day of the Lord comes, you won't even know it. It'll happen in an instant. Everything will seem the same. In fact, the Bible says it will be like in the days of Noah. People are getting married, and they're giving their children in marriage, and everybody's going about their business, and then the end of the world comes. You know, I saw an animation of what Noah's day looked like. Noah, the whole world could have been destroyed in like 90 seconds. You know all those fractures we have in the deep ocean, all the tectonic plates? Yes, I do know the word tectonic, I heard that. Although, do you know that that wasn't there originally? 
the world was one piece. The world was solid and whole and stable until man's sin brought judgment on it. Remember it says in the, in the book of Genesis that the fountains of the deep opened up? Basically, there was a cavern of water underneath there, and there was the land mass on top of it, nice and stable. All God did is he cracked the earth. They were saying that if, if this shell had cracked in as many places as we have the tectonic plates, the water coming out would have come out at almost supersonic rates, and it would have spread over the entire earth within like 90 seconds. Think about it. Something happens, and a minute and a half later, everything on earth is dead. No time to repent. No time to say, I'm sorry. No time to go, oh, dear God, what have I done with my life? Ask my wife. When you are in a van accident, you flip a van on ice, I can tell you this. You don't think, dear Jesus, come and take me home. You don't think that. You might think a few other things you can't say in church, but you don't think that. Here's the thing. The day of the Lord will come faster than the 90 seconds that wiped out the earth. You won't have time to breathe before it's over. So you're either gone or you're here. If you're here, it says a great deception will come upon the earth. So that everybody, even those destined for salvation at the end, the people of Israel, even those people might be deceived by such a cunningly crafted thing. You ever wonder why every single natural disaster on the History Channel looks like the Bible? You ever wondered that? They say waves, they say fire, volcanic eruptions. Do you, know the, do you know the oceans are dying? There are nine dead zones in the oceans today where there's no oxygen in the water. Fish can't live. Clams can't live. Even lobsters can't live. Those things can live anywhere. They're like the oceans, you know, cockroach. They live everywhere. The oceans are dying. I watched the History Channel this week, and they said, well, if this happens, it's not the Bible. I love how they say that. It's not the Bible. It's this. And if this happens, it's not the Bible. It's this. Why do they always say it's not the Bible? Because you see, if you, in your mind that there's a natural reason why asteroids are falling and water's turning to blood and the sun goes dark and the moon turns red like blood, they want you to have a natural explanation. So it's not God. It's not God's judgment. It isn't the tribulation period. They want everybody left here to have some excuse why it's not God. So you'll think, oh, it's just the world. It's just the earth. Nothing we can do about it. I'll just go spend my money and die. Isn't it amazing how many people buy into that? Because then you can live your life any way you please. Do anything you want. You don't have to be worried about it. This is so great. The Mayan calendar thing just kills me. I think it's wonderful. But notice it says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Does anybody know what the day of the Lord is? I went and looked it up in the Old Testament. If you ever see a phrase in the New Testament, you don't know what it is, go to the Old Testament, you'll find it. The day of the Lord is talked about this way in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Isaiah. A day of destruction. A day of cruel wrath. Ooh, cruel wrath. A day of God's fierce anger, a day of desolation, a day to destroy the sinner. Remember the word sinner means one who opposes God or who fights against God. So the day of God's enemy's destruction. That's what the day of the Lord is. In fact, they said in the New Testament, don't pray for the day of the Lord. Israel thought, yeah, that's when God's going to judge everybody else except us. No. God's judgment is God's judgment on everybody that, that goes out there. So I think it's amazing. It will, it will overtake the world. When everyone thinks that there's peace and security, everything is good and we're all happy, that's when it'll happen. 
That's why I know one day when Jesus is not going to come back. December 21st, 2012. You know why the Lord's not going to come back on that day? That's the day everybody's looking for. I think it'd be funny if he came back on the 22nd. Everyone gets the 21st. We're still alive. Open the champagne, New Year's celebration again, and boom, it's all done. I just have that kind of sense of humor. There it is. But keep looking. Do you see? Do you see how this is setting itself up? Is there really some kind of sign of the end? Now, it says in, in, in the last days, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be killings. There'll be fightings. There'll be false messiahs. But he said, all these things have always been, and these are but birth pains. My wife went to the hospital with birth pains. You know what they told her? You're not in labor yet. Go home. 36 hours later, they let her have the baby. Birth pains can go on forever. Can I get an amen from the women who've had children? I mean, five minutes of birth pains, you think you've been dying for a century. You know, that's how bad birth pains are. Sendong is a birth pain. It is not God's judgment. I saw one guy this week, he said that God has opened the first three seals on the scroll. And I'm thinking, what? How is that possible? How can you open the first three rolls on the scroll? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Revelation 6, 15 through 17. <clears throat> then the kings of the earth, the nobles, the military commanders, the rich, the powerful, and every slave and free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Because the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? That's not right now. That's not today. I have a question for you. What is wrath? What does wrath mean? I mentioned it before. The word wrath means judgment stored up unto the day of sentencing. It's a, it's a um, judicial term. It comes from the courts of the, old, of the old world. When you had done something, your judgment was stored up, stored up, piled up, mounted up, and then wrath was revealed on the day of judgment. But it can be stored up huge. You can be piling up offenses. I had said on a court jury once, the guy was accused of doing something to his girlfriend. And everybody else in the jury, I'm proud of this, everyone else in the jury said, well, we really don't know what happened. And I'm like, what? I said, did the girl say no? Yes. Did he stop? No. I said, then you know what it is. The law says what it is. And they said, well, we can't judge him. I said, we're the jury. We're supposed to judge him. And they said, but how do we know? I said, you know what? There's always stuff they can't tell you during the trial. I said, let's find him guilty because he did it. He went against her wishes. He did it. Let's find him guilty. If we discover later something else happened, we can give him a reduced sentence. And they all begrudgingly agreed because they knew I was a pastor and they knew I would never back off this or die. So they agreed and we found him guilty. In the sentencing, they revealed that after he was arrested and let go for attacking his girlfriend, he did it to another woman. I turned and looked at the jury. They turned and looked at the wall. Because it took us like a whole day to convict this guy because they did not want to take a stand. Here's the thing. We went back in there. The foreman looked at me. He said, thank you. Thank you. We found him guilty gave him the maximum sentence in like 30 seconds. Because he was guilty of, see, our wrath was stored up. We, 
They had fought it, fought it, fought it, and then when they found out he was guilty, man, they just dropped the boot on the guy. That's what judgment is like. Judgment can be delayed, giving you a chance to get straight, giving you a chance to get right with the Lord. Judgment was delayed and delayed and delayed, but then sooner or later, judgment will come on the earth. That's what wrath is. Take a look at this, John 3, 36. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God, what? Remains on him. Okay, that's important you understand this. The wrath of the Lamb, Revelation, is what is revealed in the Great Tribulation. The Tribulation is God's wrath. Now it says we are appointed unto tribulation, which means hardship and trials. Christians in these days have been taken, they have been jailed, they have been tortured, they have been murdered. That was tribulation. Wrath is only exhibited by God. Now notice this one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us unto his wrath. We are not, as Christians, to suffer God's punishment. We will not see the seals broken because the seals are the wrath of God poured out on the earth. If it says in 1 Thessalonians, we are not to see wrath, how can we be here when his wrath is poured out? The world has hurricanes and typhoons it has volcanoes, it has disease and death because Adam and Eve ate the pomegranate in the garden and got kicked out. And now the scripture says the earth groans in anticipation of Christ's return because then it can be restored. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime you see something about 2012 this year, you know what I want you to say? For God did not appoint me unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. If the world blows up, so what? I just get to heaven at a supersonic rate. You know, if cancer comes, death comes, car accidents, debilitating diseases, no matter what happens to me, I am not appointed unto his wrath. I've been delivered from that and been given to salvation. I can face anything I have to, knowing that my salvation is assured. Can you say the same thing? Here's the thing. If you want to be delivered from worry, let's say you're a believer. You're a believer, you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you have confessed your sin, you're straight with the Lord, amen? Just say amen, make me feel better. Okay. If that is true, hard things come on you, but you can always come back to your salvation to strengthen you through whatever comes. Paul went to prison. He was stoned and nearly killed. He had to escape by the skin of his teeth, bitten by snakes, suffered the, suffered the torment of a Roman prison. Those were not nice places. Think about being somewhere really, really damp and really, really cold all the time. You know, they didn't have fried chicken in prison. It was like gruel, man. It was nasty. We're not appointed to that. So you know what? What are the signs of the times? Here's the signs. You don't know when Jesus is coming back. You don't know when you're going to die. In fact, you don't know anything. So what is the smart thing to do? How can you live? Let me show you. What can we do about it? Here it is. Titus 2, 11 through 15. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people, instructing us to, get it now, deny, godless, deny godlessness 
and worldly lusts and live a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. What is the best way for you to live in 2012, given all of the hubbub in the world? Deny godlessness. Don't buy into the fear that the History Channel is spreading. Don't buy into the fear that the Mayan calendar people are spreading. Don't buy into the fear that all the Nostradamus worshipers are spreading. God is not going to leave you or forsake you. Nothing is going to happen unless it comes through God's hand, and he will always provide for his people. Deny the godlessness, deny the nonsense, and the worldly lust. One guy said, you know what? With 2012 coming, I should just go out, take my money out of the bank, buy my favorite car, go out and live a wild lifestyle, as I could do that for the next year, and then when the end of the world comes, I'll, I'll be in great shape. And I'm thinking, yeah, and the day after the world doesn't end, you're going to be broke. <laughs> you remember Harold camping? You got to love Brother Harold. Brother Harold said, at the end of the world, end of the world's coming! You know what happened? It didn't end this year, did it? Harold said, oops, you got my numbers wrong. Got to back it up a few months. Guess what? We're still here. Everyone that sold their houses, sold their cars, sold their businesses, everybody that, that, that stayed home and partied and had a great time hanging out, waiting for Jesus, they're still waiting for Jesus. Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour of my appearing. Harold just forgot that. He forgot the whole no man knows. But that's what happens when you get your eyes off of the word of God and get it onto the things of men. Live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our hope, when sendong happens in our life, when illness happens in our life, when shingles happen in our life, when diabetes happens in our life, when homelessness happens in our life, we keep our eyes on the hope of Jesus Christ. Okay? He gave himself for us to redeem us from the lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. You all have got precious possessions, right? Do you just throw them around and leave them in a casual place? No, you put them somewhere special where you can protect them and take care of them, you know? Maybe you bronzed your kids' first booties or something, I don't know, your daughter's first report card or your son's first football trophy. You've got that put away somewhere special because it means something to you. This says we are God's own possession. He's not just going to leave us out there alone. He's not going to abandon us to the waves and the heat. It says this, what well, we should, um, okay, he gave himself for us to redeem us from the lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession who are eager to do good works. Say these things and encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. There's that word encourage again. We're supposed to encourage each other through whatever happens. You lose your house, encourage somebody. Your marriage gets in trouble, encourage somebody. Your children going through a rough patch, encourage somebody. You figure out that the guys in the worship team don't know how to play, ignore it. <laughs> no, leave us be, we're okay. <laughs> Anyways, that's what we do about it. We live the life God meant for us to live until the day he takes us home. Don't panic. Don't worry about it. Don't build a bomb shelter and stick yourself in it. You know, Just live your life for Christ. Look at Revelations 4, 4, and then 9 through 10. It says this, 
All around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns on their heads. For all of you who wonder why we can't be here during the tribulation, let me give you my take on it. This, for me, is the definitive statement of why we will not be here during any part of the tribulation. Not just are we not appointed to wrath, but this. These 24 cats are on 24 um, thrones around the, around the big throne. They had gold crowns on their heads. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the ones seated on the throne, the ones who live forever and ever, 10 and uh, no, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne, worshiping the one who lives forever and ever, and they cast their, throne, their crowns before the throne. Guys, angels don't have crowns. Seraphim don't have crowns. There were only 12 tribes of Israel. Who's the other 12 people? That's us. This is us in heaven, dressed in the white raiments of Christ, as it promises in the first couple of chapters of Revelation. Revelation says again and again, you who remain faithful will have the what? Crown of life. The word is Stephanos. The Stephanos of Christ is the victor's crown. Now, when you won the Olympics, they twisted up some branches and stuck it on your noggin, right? Great. What happens to a laurel wreath in about two days? It dies, turns brown, ugly, you throw it out. A Stephanos was a golden crown given to one who was victorious in battle. We stay faithful to Christ. We ignore the 2012 stuff. We ignore all the nonsense. We stay faithful. We inherit that crown of life. That's us, people. That is us in heaven before the scroll is opened, before the seals are broken, before the wrath is poured out. And I love it. And we get to stay in heaven and cast our crowns before the throne. Whatever glory God gives us in heaven, we're going to give it right back to him. Amen? It's not for us. It's for him. It's for us to give to him, to give him glory. Whatever gifts and talents you have, they're not for you. They're not to bless you. They're not to lift you up. They're for you to give back to God so that he receives the glory do his name. So, is this the end? Is this the end? It's the end of the sermon, so amen on that. Okay, I was, someone told me whenever I say that we're concluding, I should actually conclude. So, we're concluding. Here we go. One, Jesus is returning for his people, and his people said what? Amen. That side is not going to heaven, y'all don't believe in Jesus. I swear. Try it again. For all of you who are redeemed by the blood of Christ who are going to heaven in the rapture, it says Jesus is returning for his people. His people said what? Thank you. That should echo. What Ken said is true. If you don't like worship, if you don't like saying amen, if you don't like blessing Jesus, then just denounce Christ and go to hell and hang out with the devil. Because heaven only has one task for us. There's only one task in heaven, and that is to give God glory, to get on your knees, off of your throne, and throw your crown before the Savior. That's your job in heaven. Number two, our job is to live for Christ and to do good works until we are caught up together. Until the rapture comes, we got to stay focused, stay faithful, okay? If death takes you, a car accident takes you, uh, volcanoes erupt. Do they have volcanoes in North Carolina? I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Anyways, whatever happens, until you leave this earth, you work for the Lord. You give God glory. You point others to salvation. Last, we will see problems and we will suffer for our faith. But the wrath of God, as seen in the time of the Great Tribulation, is not for us, but for those who reject Jesus. 
Now, if you're here today, oh, I know, I know, we're going to get there. That's at the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I decided to share them, move the offering to the end. Here's the thing, though. If it's a good sermon, y'all got to give more. <laughs> but, but if it's a really bad sermon or if I go over time, you have to give twice as much. Because then I'll get the hint to shorten it up. So the more money we get, the shorter the sermon. That's kidding, just kidding. I ain't never going to go short. I can't go short. Too long-winded for that. Anyways, we're never going to see that tribulation. So we can live without fear. We can live giving God glory no matter what happens to the economy, no matter what happens to the environment. We can be joyful. Amen? Amen. All right, let us pray. Father God, I thank you (coughs) for this day. Father, I thank you for this time in this place. Lord, I thank you for all those who have come here. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has never asked you to forgive them, Father, if there's one here today who has never repented of their sin and begged you to become their Savior, never asked you to cover their sins, Father God, I pray that today your conviction, your Holy Spirit will be working on them and they would repent of that sin. That, Father God, they would turn to you and say, Lord, the end could be for me today. The end for me could be tomorrow. And Lord, I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Father, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me, wash me, make me your special possession and keep me through to the end of days. Father, if that person has prayed that today, Lord, I pray that your spirit would bear witness with their spirit that they're saved and that, Father, they will be able to come up and and tell us that they have come to salvation so that we can rejoice as the angels in heaven rejoice when one is saved. Now, Father God, as we continue in our service, both in our offering And in the Lord's Supper, Lord, I just pray that you will continue to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Now could I have the...